Actually, Pastor Alec actually sent me a text message this morning to pass on to you. He said he so enjoyed the time with us all. He said, these are a couple of things specific. He said, stay on fire. Say that. I'm going to stay on fire. He said, stay in love with Jesus. He said, expect miracles. And remember, the layers are being peeled back. And if you want to get his message for more context around that, it's, you can visit that on the podcast and, and listen to that again. This morning I want to talk about how we actually steward the prophetic word over our life. It's an incredible thing to have people like Pastor Alec come and and speak the word over our life. It's, it's, It's a great opportunity when we see the gifts of the Holy Spirit being activated in our church where there's a prophetic word or there's a a word of knowledge or maybe you're reading through the Bible and the Lord highlights a passage to you. That is incredible. We should be excited about that. But how many know that that's not the end of the story? It's actually just the beginning. And I want to talk about this morning how we actually steward, how we can become good stewards of of prophetic words, of the word of God over our life, the promises of God over our life. Before we do that, jump into a passage. It's actually in Mark chapter 4. We're going to land out this morning. But before we do that, um, last week, Pastor Alec was actually encouraging us about activating the gifts of the Spirit. And he was talking about how that there's these gifts of the Spirit that are mentioned in, in, in Corinthians in the Scriptures and how we are actually to activate them, to stir each other up in the gifts of the Spirit. Today, I'm not going to go through that passage and look at them all, but In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, Paul tells us to practice and keep in order the gifts of the Spirit. There's actually two elements that he commands us to do, is actually to practice the gifts of the Spirit and also to keep them in order. I want to just quickly talk about these two elements. How many know that it's important that we practice, that we put to use the gifts of the Spirit that He's put in our life? Maybe it's a word of knowledge, maybe it's a a prophetic word, maybe it's a a, a healing, maybe it's um, whatever is listed that that the Lord has gifted you, uh, one of the gifts of the Spirit. It's important that we put them to use, that we practice these things. How many know that whenever people are ministering to other people, it does create mess? It creates mess because we're humans. And like Paul said here, we're actually practicing. But it does create mess. But mess is not a bad thing. Mess is actually a sign of life. I don't know about you, but I've had the privilege to be in three birthing suites um, for my three children. And it was messy, but it's a sign of life. 
Mess is a sign of life. Where there's life, there will be mess. The most orderly place on the universe is a graveyard, but there's no life. You've ever walked through a graveyard, those tomb, tombstones are aligned perfectly up. It's beautiful, it's pristine, you never see overgrown grass, you never see stuff. Everything's in order, but there's no life. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 4 says, Where no oxen are, the manger is clean, but, but much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. Think about what this means. It means where the manger is full, what do you think it's full of? Mess is a nice way to put it. But it's mess. If there's no animals, if there's no ox, the place is clean. Not a worry. We can do church. We can play church. How many know, and I'm sure if you're here this morning, that there's something in your heart that doesn't want to just turn up every Sunday, do the same thing and go home? to tick a box, but you actually want to allow the Holy Spirit to move. You actually want to be part of the solution to equip the believers, to equip us to be actually go out and do the purpose that he's called us to do. So that does mean that there will be mess. Who says amen? All the messy people. That's great. It's interesting here that Paul actually talks about now in order. And although we're talking about the life and the mess that happens typically as the Holy Spirit moves, it doesn't mean that allowing the gifts of the Spirit to manifest in our church should be without guidelines. It's interesting that Paul here is encouraging us to increase, to, to stir up the gifts of the Spirit, but he also talks about the fact that they have to be in order. Jesus said that he pours new wine into new wine skins. I was thinking about this and I thought, this is incredible. It doesn't say that he pours new wine into nothing. He actually says, talking about the Holy Spirit, he actually says he pours new wine into new wine skins. The point is that the new wine is to be poured into a framework, into a container, into something that actually can hold what the Lord is wanting to do. Anyone agree? Paul instructs us to have order in the church, 1 Corinthians 14, 32. The spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets. What that means is that we can't blame the Holy Spirit for making us do something disruptive or out of order. It actually means that we have to take ownership. We can't do something out of order, disruptive, and then say, God told me to do this. This is part of the new wineskin. As we go on this season, and I believe next week, Carol's going to be talking about how we hear from God and how we move in the gifts of the Spirit again. As we go in this journey of, and if you've been here for a while, it's nothing new. Our church was actually built on the foundations of the Holy Spirit moving powerfully and incredibly. But as we go and we stir that up again, it's actually important that we have some order. 
it's actually important that we have some accountability. And if, if, if you come into the service and you feel that God is speaking to you powerfully, I would ask that you would come to the transition person. And this morning that was Brenton. Usually they're either up the front here, but you actually have a chat with them about what God is saying through you. I think it's important that we protect the Holy Spirit and, and, and be accountable and the authenticity of what he's saying. This is not to reduce, this is actually to, to enhance what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so whatever it is that the Lord is asking, maybe prompting upon your heart, if you can come to the transition person and have a discussion with them, sometimes they may get up and combine it with a few things and, and declare the word of the Lord. Sometimes they may give the microphone to you, but it's important that you come to that person and let them know what God is saying. Who says Amen. Also, we have incredible times at pre-service prayer at 9 o'clock every Sunday morning here. And if you, if you feel that the Lord has put something on your heart that you want to move further in this space, the best thing you can do is come to the pre-service prayer as we discuss, as we learn and, and talk together about what the Lord is saying. Paul says that we see dimly, we all see dimly, but I think collectively we see a little bit less dimly. And so it's important that in a community we come together. And like we did this morning, Brenton was running the pre-service prayer. He's asking, what is the Lord saying? What is the Lord doing? What are people sensing God wants to do in the service? And so I trust that you receive that and that we actually do see more of the gifts of the Spirit released in our church. Not only in our service, but how many know that the gifts of the Spirit are also meant to be released out in our community. Incredible ways we've seen even recently with Josh and the evangelism team about God healing people, words and knowledge, prophetic words. And so, very exciting. Mark chapter 4. We're going to have a look at a passage of scripture here where Jesus talks once again about the prophetic word or the word from God and is like a seed. And I'm sure this is not you, but maybe it's a friend of yours who receives a prophetic word and all of a sudden we sit back with this incredible prophetic word and we sit down and we get comfortable and wait for God to do it all. Who's ever been there? I've been there many times. Whether it's through a prophet, whether it's through a word of prophecy from someone or the Lord highlights something through his word, we receive this prophetic word, this promise over our life and we sit down and we think, this is just what I needed. And we get comfortable, we sit down and think, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to have a front row seat to watch what God is going to do in my life. I would like to propose this morning that any prophetic word is an invitation to more. Also, I'd like to say this morning that the Holy Spirit will never contradict the word of God. 
If you've received a prophetic word and it's in contrary to the word of God, then it's not from God. He will never violate his word. All prophecy is an invitation to more. And the incredible thing is that he gives it to us in seed form. A few weeks ago, who remembers the watermelon that was up here? Full of seeds. And oftentimes we're asking the Lord for something and how he answers is in seed form. And this is what you received last weekend. This is what you received yesterday as you're reading the word or whenever, whenever you're reading, whenever you are having uh, discussions with Holy Spirit is we're constantly receiving prophetic words, promises, words over our life in seed form. And it's interesting that as I read through the parables of Jesus, most of the parables he spoke were to do with the condition of our heart, the soil, and not the seed. There's only one parable I can find that he actually addresses the issue of the seed itself. All the other parables, he actually talks about the condition of our heart or the condition of the soil. In other words, just because the promise doesn't be fulfilled in your life doesn't mean the problem is with the word. Oftentimes we're lazy. Oftentimes I'm lazy. And we get lazy and we think that God said this and it's going to happen. And then because of our laziness, sometimes we don't see the outcome that he's promised and we blame the prophet or we blame the person who gave us the word or we blame the fact that maybe when we read his scripture and something was highlighted to us, well, was that really God? And we start to question and we start to have this discussion with God that maybe he didn't really speak to us. I would like to propose this morning that Right through scripture, we, we see Jesus most commonly address the issue of the heart, the issue of the soil. So let's read this passage together. It is a well-known passage, Mark chapter 4. It's called the parable of the sower. Verse 3, it says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among, th um, other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop some multiplying 30, 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the 12 others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything he said to them in parables, so that they may ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Verse 13. Then Jesus said, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? It's interesting that Jesus here is talking about this parable as a foundation to everything else he says. It's a very interesting point. 
Verse 14, the farmer sows the word. Some people are seed, are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once rejoice uh, and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. I'm sure that when you read this passage, as we've read it this morning, there's something in your heart that desires to be people that have hearts of good soil, that the very word that's spoken, the promise that God has given over our lives, over our church, over our community, actually produces a harvest. This is what he's called us to do, is to be people that produce something. We see that there's four types of soil or four conditions of the heart that the seed lands on. And maybe you've received an incredible prophetic word last week I would like to propose that that word has actually fallen on one of these four heart conditions. The first one, it says that the seed can fall on the path. The path is an area of ground that's been trodden by people. It's compacted. It's hard. And when the seed hits that place, it can't actually be pushed into the earth. And there it is vulnerable for birds to come and take the seed very easily. I think this scripture talks about hardness of heart where, and maybe we think about, hey, we come and all of a sudden we're, we're criticizing that God even speaks. How many would agree that is hardness of heart? Or maybe we're, we're reluctant to even embrace the voice of God. Or maybe we're reluctant and we question and we argue and we criticize, have these discussions with the Lord about how that he doesn't speak and, and how that it's not relevant for me. I, I, I would propose that's hardness of heart. But sometimes we can have areas of our heart that are hard. I've had many areas of my heart that are hard and I didn't actually realize until after the fact that I allowed the Lord to do a work in me that I actually looked back in hindsight and said, wow, those were some pretty toxic attitudes. They were some hard hearts. And so a great prayer for us to pray, and it's not looking inward all the time, but a great prayer to pray is, Lord, just soften my heart. Lord, the areas that are offensive to me, those things that are said and it causes me to turn inward and to close and to become a little bit independent, Lord, soften my heart to what you'd want to do. It's a great place to say, Lord, I just surrender my life to you. In this lifestyle of surrender, it means that we're constantly creating a heart, our soil, where the seed can come and it can actually be implanted. 
we allow the Holy Spirit to come and break up that compacted ground, that compacted heart, so that when the seed, the word of the Lord is delivered to us, it can actually be pushed out of reach from the birds, from the demonic, from Satan that would want to come and quickly steal that seed. How many know that when you left here last Sunday, the greatest thing that the enemy wanted to do was steal that seed, steal that promise, steal that prophetic word, steal that passage of scripture that the Lord highlighted to you over your life. And so I encourage you, let's be people that lean in to a life of surrender with him. The second soil it says here in verse 17 it talks about the rocky ground and it says but since they have no root they last only a short time when trouble or persecution persecution comes because of the word they quickly fall away I want to read that 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 last bit again, it says, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Isn't it interesting here? It seems as though Jesus is saying, here's the prophetic word, and once you receive that, you now attract opposition. It's interesting. This is what he's saying. He's like saying that, hang on, all of a sudden you've you don't have a hard heart, you've actually received it with joy, you've embraced what God has said over your life, and all of a sudden, the moment you do that, it's like opposition has been attracted to you. Who's ever experienced that before? Yeah. I think it's important that we know this because otherwise, when opposition comes, sometimes we can go, well, that wasn't God, I'm not pursuing God in that way, something must be wrong. But it's interesting to note that here Jesus gives us some very specific instruction to say, hey, when you receive a word from God, when you receive a promise from God over your life, it actually does attract opposition because of the word. Psalm 105 verse 19 says this, It says, till what was foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. In another translation, it says, till what he foretold came to pass, the word tested him. It's interesting that oftentimes when we receive a word from God, It's like the word straight away is, is it has become under assault. It's because the Lord is committed to prove its authenticity, to prove that it's true, and to prove its strength. It's interesting that further on in that Psalm 105, it talks about when Israel, as the nation, and, and all of a sudden the Lord declares over them that they're strong. They're blessed. He's built them up in strength. And that what, what does he do? The Lord goes and stirs up the enemies to attack Israel. This is interesting. 
In the same passage, he, he declares over Israel, his people, that they're strong, they're blessed, that he's raised them up to a, to a certain um, um, point of strength. And then right at that moment, it's like the Lord goes over here to their enemies and stirs them up so that they attack Israel. Why do you think the Lord would stir up an enemy to attack Israel? It wasn't so Israel would be defeated. It's so the enemy would be defeated. Anytime you find opposition because of the word come against you, it's because you have grace, you have the word of God to defeat the very thing that's coming against you. I'll give an example. Let's just say that God has spoken into your life about the fact that you're going to see many, many people, many families come out of dysfunction and see many families healthy, kids, marriages, the whole family unit. And all of a sudden, you're the one with chaotic kids. That word of the Lord comes to you as a promise and all of a sudden you're the one living in mayhem. There's issues going on and you look at it and say, Lord, but you promised. You've given me this promise that, that all of a sudden I'm going to see this incredible healing in families and kids and marriages and all of a sudden I'm here. And sometimes if we don't understand that often the word of the Lord comes and tests us, that we pull away from that and we say, well, that can't be the word of God. That can't be the word of God over my life. But maybe it's a season where, because you've embraced this word, it's actually a season where it's being tested. It's being tested to see its strength, to see if it can, if, if you can hold the, the, the very thing that God is wanting to put on you. See, he's not interested in us fulfilling promises for two or three weeks. This is how we think. We think short term. When the Lord gives a promise, and maybe you received one last week, or you've, you've got a, a handful of seeds of promises, they're not just for a couple of weeks, they're for decades. He's looking to build, he's, he's looking to build upon the very things in your life that he's spoken. In verse 18, we see the third type of soil. And just remembering that Jesus is clearly unpacking and giving instruction to how we actually create an environment, create a heart that actually sees a harvest in our life. There's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. It's pure, it's authentic, it's powerful, it contains grace to bring about the very thing that he's called you to do. Here we see in, in verse 18 the third type of soil or condition of the heart. It says, Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come and choke the word, making it unfruitful.
It's fascinating that our thoughts, our attitudes, our appetites actually have the capacity to actually struggle and choke the very Word of God over our life. The most powerful thing, the Word of God that's been spoken, that seed that's been implanted in our heart can actually be destroyed, can actually be choked, can actually be made totally useless from our attitudes, our appetites and our desires. Who likes gardening? How many know that when you clear a patch of dirt and you plant some plants, you don't actually have to sow seeds, uh, sow weeds? Weeds actually come up by themselves. You don't have to welcome weeds into your garden. They just come marching right in. As soon as you, as soon as you prepare a piece of ground weeds will automatically appear. And in this condition of the soil, it talks about where the seed is planted and all of a sudden other seeds come in competition to choke the very word that God has spoken over your life and over my life. If we take the attitude that we're just going to sit back and we're just going to observe and do nothing and see what happens with this seed, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be choked out by the other seeds. And we don't have to invite them in. They will come automatically. We live in a society, we live in a culture right now where more than ever, these things will come and try and gravitate and try and take our values, our minds, our thinking, our desires and our appetite. We have to carefully guard over the seed, over the word of God, over our life. And I think it's important that we actually get the picture of a farmer. This is why we encourage ourselves and anyone who receives a prophetic word, word of God, to record it, to write it down, to listen to it, to take it to the passages of Scripture that God has already spoken to you and confirm that to the word of God, to actually value it, to do everything we can to look after the seed. But not only are we to look after the Word of God, we're to actually to make sure that no other seeds compete for the nutrients. And this is what he says here. Jesus says here there's three, three things that compete for the nutrients. And we actually have to be that intentional to actually perceive it just like a farmer would who's planting a plant. He says, the worries of this life or the cares of this life. Number two, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things. These three elements actually come and they actually choke. They grow over, they compete for sunlight, for nutrients and actually make this perfect word of God totally ineffective. Verse 19, it says the worries of this life. In another translation, it says the cares or worries. That, that original word actually means two words. It actually means a divided mind. It means the cares of this world is actually a divided mind. 
It means a mind that's not only set on what God has set over our lives and the will of God and pursuing the will of God, but it's also split. It's also looking over here. It's also looking over there. It's also not only just feeding the Word of God in our life, but it's also tending to some of these weeds. And we would never call them weeds. But it's other things in our life that we allow to come in and we give it nutrients. We, 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 we cultivate them. It actually means this, this cares and worries is actually a divided mind. When Jesus came down from, uh, so, sorry, when Jesus was preaching on, the, on the, um, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, the eye that is single, the body will be full of light. That original word, single, actually means two words again. It actually means one journey. The eye that is set upon one journey will be full of light. And here, if we come back to, to Mark chapter 4, He's actually saying that this condition of the heart, where we allow the word of God to, we, we, we accept it, but then we allow other seeds to compete for the word of God, is actually a divided mind. I would like to propose this morning that an undivided mind is one that has a single focus, and it looks like this. It looks like that I am hungering and thirsting for the will of God on my life. Everything comes from that point that the will of God may be manifest in my life. It doesn't mean that I don't go play golf. It doesn't mean that I don't work. But all of a sudden, these things actually serve the purposes of God in my life. All of a sudden, these things, these things that are important, these things that are beneficial, some of these things aren't important. No longer do they just compete for the nutrients, but they actually serve the call of God over my life. Does that make sense? He's calling us here to have a single focus. He's calling us here that there not be a divided mind. That when our eye is single, when our eyes, when our passion, when our motivation is sent on one journey, that our life will be full of light. Confusion is a terrible thing. I spent many years living in a state of confusion. It was like, what am I meant to pursue? Am I pursuing this? Am I pursuing that? I'm pursuing this. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. All these things. Oh, yes, and there's also the call of God. Yes, I'm pursuing that too. And I spent many years trying to, to run to these elements to try and keep them all growing. the way that we actually see the seed of God implanted in our life and, and reap the greatest harvest is when we set our eyes on one thing and that's the will of God over our life and pursue that and nothing else. It's crazy that when I pursue God more than anything else, seek first the kingdom, I become a better husband. This is crazy. When I seek first the kingdom, I become a better father. When I seek first the kingdom, business opportunities arise. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do practical things to increase our knowledge and all that thing, but all that is to serve the ultimate purpose while we're here, and that's to seek first the kingdom and to glorify the name of Jesus.
please still go out tomorrow while this weather is beautiful and have a game of golf. But everything now is to serve the will of God over our life. The second thing he says here that comes and chokes out or attempts to choke out the very seed, the word of God over our life is the deceitfulness of wealth, I think it says. It doesn't say wealth, it says the deceitfulness of wealth. And it's interesting that when God blesses you with more than you can contain, it's, at some point it's going to show Wealth and financial blessing is not a shameful thing. It's not something we should be running and trying to hide. But it's that deceitfulness of wealth. And I like to say, well, we know when it's starting to crowd out the very word of God over our life because it takes the position of trust. How many have been in a position, let's say it's a, you're working at a workplace and you're just making enough money to pay the bills and that whole time you're totally relying on God, you're praying, you're believing for God to supply all your needs and all of a sudden you get a promotion and all of a sudden you're in a season where you have abundance of finance. How easy is it to all of a sudden lose our reliance, our dependence on God and start putting the trust in the promotion? We put the trust in the money. I would like to propose this morning that we can still have a promotion. He can still bless us financially and abundantly as long as we keep our trust and our focus in Him. See, it's not a value of wealth that determines what is unhealthy for us. It's, a value, it's the amount of trust. For some, it's $10. For some, it's a million. But he's always looking for us to maintain that place where we trust him with everything we have. And then he finishes off with this third thing that chokes our the very seed and competes for the nutrients of what God is wanting to do in our life and that's anything else and that's an easy one you fill in the gap he's got all bases covered anything else that comes to compete for what God has set over our life we are to keep the word of God strong and not allow things to compete over what he said My desire is that we be a church that when God speaks to us, as he always is, that we take it, it lands into soft soil, it lands into a fertile soil, into hearts that are receptive for the very word of God, that it actually gets pushed down. We not only receive it with joy, but we actually be those people like he talks about here and we condition the soil so that it will reap a harvest. I don't want Alec to come back next year and prophesy the same things over you. 
I actually want us to put these things to work so that, so that we're actually reaping a harvest. So that we're actually giving back to him what he's given to us. So that we can be those people that have soft hearts that just receive what he has to say to us and that we see our community transformed by the love and power of Jesus. I heard this quote, this is probably a month or so ago, and it's pretty, um, it's pretty confronting. This is what it says. It says, destroy anything that's affecting your fire. And when I first read this, it, let me say it again. It said, destroy anything that's affecting your fire for the Lord. And when I first read this, I thought, gee, that's a little bit extreme. It's a little bit extreme. But understand the intent of this is that we have to understand the seriousness of what God has entrusted us with, the seed of his word, of his voice, of him speaking to us. We have to treat this like a farmer would a plant and not only make sure that the seed is, is healthy and the seed is in fertile soil, but make sure that there's not competing things around that would want to choke it and destroy the very thing that God has set over our life. Maybe this morning as I finish, maybe you're here and you're like, hey, I can relate to the number one soil. There's some hardness of my heart. I would say this morning, even right now, just say to the Lord, say to Holy Spirit, Lord, I surrender my heart to you. Come and do the work in my heart that you need to do. Maybe some, something has been said to you and you, it's caused you to, to have offense. Sometimes that's an indication of a hardness of heart. Maybe whatever it is and you say, Lord, I want to have a soft heart. I don't know about you, but I want to be a person who, even when the Lord whispers, it lands in fertile soil. Even when it comes through somebody that I don't personally get along with, I want the word of the Lord to land in my heart and to be able to reap a harvest. And this is not always easy because oftentimes the Lord will hide his word through someone we don't agree with or a personality trait we don't get along with. Next time someone's up preaching or sharing in a small group or, or having a discussion with you and you don't personally get along with them, I encourage you to lean in because that's probably where the Lord is hiding the very revelation that's going to see your breakthrough. Or maybe you're, this morning, maybe you can relate to the, the second soil type, which is that rocky ground. And all of a sudden, you've embraced the word of the Lord. You've left the car park here, burning down the road and just excited about what God's going to do. And then all of a sudden, Monday morning, you woke up and you're like, hang on, I accepted this and now there's opposition. The Lord is encouraging us. This is, this is part of what happens when we embrace the word of the Lord. There will be opposition, not just from Satan in, in the first one, but to actually test the validity of the word, to actually test its strength so that he can build something upon us. And maybe you relate to the third soil as 
Maybe you've just got so many things going in your life. Maybe there's confusion. Maybe you feel like I was where you're divided and you're trying to put your energy into all different areas and things just aren't working. And maybe the Lord is saying to you this morning, hey, if you want to see a hundredfold harvest on this seed, you need the power of ignore. You need the power to re- reset your, your, your um, priorities and actually treat the Word of God like a plant and destroy anything that would want to come and compete over the nutrients of that. And I believe this morning there's a lot of people here who have the fourth category, which is good soil. That everything that the Lord says is implanted and lands in our heart. Just think for a moment about, maybe it's a prophetic word that you got last week. Maybe it's a passage of scripture that the Lord's highlighted to you for some time. Years ago, the Lord gave me John 15 and a few other passages. And I remember at the time reading John 15 and I just kept being drawn back to it. I just kept being drawn back to it. And for years, I couldn't even explain the passage, but I just felt drawn back to it. That's become a a life scripture for me. But imagine if these promises of God, these prophetic words, maybe it's a passage of scripture that the Lord's given you. Just have a think about it if you can, what that would look like if it reaped a hundredfold. This is actually the purpose and the will of the Father. Is that we reap a hundredfold. Anything less than that, we have to have another look at the condition of our heart, the condition of the soil. Because the issue is not with the seed. Most times the issue is with our heart. Why don't we pray together this morning? Lord, I thank you that you're such a merciful God. First of all, Lord, I want to thank you that you still speak. I thank you, Lord, that we're not just reading a book that's dead. We're not just coming here playing church as a religious activity. But Lord, I thank you this morning that we have the ability to, through your word, through community, through worship, is actually come into an intimate relationship with you. Lord, I thank you that that you've privileged us to such an extent that, Lord, we can hear your voice. That tomorrow morning when we wake up out of our bed, we don't have to come to church, but Lord, your presence is there. You're speaking to us and it's just profound as when you speak here in church. Lord, I pray that we'd be good stewards of what you've said. Lord, I pray that we'd be people that, not with introspection and not with condemnation, but Lord, we would just be empowered to see these words that you've given us reap an incredible harvest. Lord, that we would see things beyond and above what we could imagine or even think. We thank you for that. Just while you continue to have your eyes closed this morning, I just want to give an opportunity as we've spoken about a God who who desires a relationship with God and loves to speak to us. If there's anyone here that you don't have a relationship with God, maybe you've been in church a little while, maybe you've You've had religion, but this morning, the Lord is saying, giving you an invitation to say, come. 
come and receive my grace, my love, my forgiveness, to have your sins forgiven, to have a brand new start. If that's you this morning, I want to include you in a prayer. It's called a prayer of salvation. The Bible calls it being born again. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand just so I can see it? If you want to make this decision for the first time, if anyone, just before we, before we move, if anyone here says, hey, I need to make my life right with Jesus. If your heart is beating out of your chest right now, that means you need to put your hand up. That means the Holy Spirit is working in your, in your heart. This is not anything of shame. This is actually acknowledging the perfect Father, the Savior. And so if that's you, just one more time, if there's anyone here this morning, you want to say yes to Jesus, you want to know that you're right with God, you want to come into a relationship with Him this morning, anyone one more time as I look across the room? Thank you, sir. I'll see that hand down the back. You can put that hand down. Thank you. Anybody else? This morning. You know, it's a courageous decision to say, I want to follow Jesus in a society that would say, do everything else. And so, Hope Point family, we're going to say a prayer this morning. And for this young man who put his hand up, this is a brand new day for you, man. It's a brand new day. And why don't we repeat this together? Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for taking my sin on the cross. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. And today of my own free will, I choose you. And from this day on, I'm going to live for you. Amen. Why don't we give the Lord a hand and celebrate that decision?